Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market. Co-hosting with me, I'm Andrew Duncan of the Duncan Duo, is Robert Johnson from the Duncan Duo team. Uh, no Mike Corrigan this week. He is, uh, I believe, off at a, a mortgage seminar somewhere up north. So uh, we get Robert instead, but but Robert... Um, you know the market right now obviously is is uh, has softened a little bit the last few weeks. Interest rates have risen. Uh, sellers have to price more realistic. The the market is undergoing some some shifting movement right now. Yes, I like to call it stabilization. <laughs> I think that's the proper way to call it because yeah. we had this rampant appreciation where we were one of the highest appreciating areas in the country for years, and now it's slowing. Doesn't mean we're going to see depreciation. It just simply means that. Um, you know, we're going to see a slowdown of appreciation, at least market wide. You are going to see some neighborhoods depreciate. I well, mean, I, I'll tell you, know, you there's that no it... question. I mean, I, I was out, I was talking to a, a personal friend this week um, that had, you know, kind of pro- posed some questions to me about real estate and kind of saying, hey, look, a few months ago, you know, I was told I could sell for this. I was like, I was a few months ago. It's, it's different now. And, and so ultimately, we are going to have neighborhoods where, where there's more homes on the market than there are buyers for them. But but overall, I believe we'll still see prices rise, just not as dramatically as we have. Been. Yeah. And I think what some of the stuff you're seeing on the MLS, you know, as far as, um, you know, there's all this stuff, oh, prices are being reduced at a record pace. Well, what you were having for a long time is when people would look at the comps, they would automatically, overpriced. or they would go at the very top of the comps. Right. I mean, it was one of two things, the very top of the comps or overpricing. Right. And eventually the market would get there or there was just nothing and it would sell. And then right. that was a new top comp. Sure. So what we're seeing now is people that are on the market, a lot of them are reducing their price more to, um, to what the comps were and, and the mid comp range, not the upper comp range. Right. Um, and, and we are still seeing multiple offers. We're still getting stuff that sells very quickly. But instead of being every property, we're seeing that on, you know, I would still say every property that's priced correctly and is in really good condition. Yeah, you we know, still, and we still have a lot of people moving into the area that oh can gosh, afford yes. the higher interest rates. Um, you know, that that's one of the things I hear from people. Hey, interest rates are up so much. There's still plenty of people that view prices in Tampa as affordable compared to where they came from. I think another thing that, to think about, and this is something we're telling our sellers now, is it's, you know, it becomes more of a, um, you know, a price war and a beauty contest, you know, where six months ago, you could have probably skimped on a few of the, you know, cosmetic things that you needed to do. Now you're going to need to take care of those. And you're going to need to pay attention, not just to what sold, but what you're competing with. So, so one of the neighborhoods I looked at had one pending, two sales in the last six months and five on the market. That's wow. a saturated market. That means you're going to have to not just worry about what's sold, but you have to price competitive to what's on the market so that you don't get lost in the shuffle with all of those people that are kind of trying to be the next two over the next 180 days that sell. Yeah, what you're really seeing is that um, people really don't want to do a lot of work to these homes when they purchase them. I think that they're very knowledgeable about how hard it is for contractors to be lined up for yeah. tradesmen to be lined up and not and only the nuisance aspect well yes how hard it is and how expensive it sure. is right now so i think people are really wanting homes that are completely redone or don't need a lot of work at all now that's that's not 
I would say a while ago, what we would see is people loved fixer uppers. They liked, you know, building that equity. Now they kind of just want it done. They want to enjoy the home. They want to live there. So I think that the house really needs to be done well. It really needs to not need a lot of work, um, which is what you were saying about a beauty contest. Sure. But even then, it still needs to be priced well. People yeah. are not going to overpay right now, not because they don't really want a home. There's still a ton of buyers in the market. It's just that now they have a little more options. And as it goes back to a balanced inventory, you'll see that become more and more important to price the house correctly. Yeah, and so let's touch on what a balanced inventory is, because people uh, that, that don't know this, you'll hear agents talk about you know month supply of inventory. And what does that mean? That basically means that Based on the demand and the number of homes that had sold in that prior month, um, it would take this many days, months, years to sell out all of the existing inventory if no other homes hit the market. Imagine Walmart, for example, stocking their shelves up. How long would that last if they didn't restock their shelves? Correct. So, So right now, at least July stats, August hasn't yet come out. My hope is that they're out, you know, you know, sometime this coming week. Um, but the the July stats show inventory rising from 0.9 months supply of inventory to 2.7. I think that's going to continue to rise. I think so. That's a 300% increase in the, you know, from January of this year to now. I believe that number is going to continue to kind of slowly rise, and we're going to see it, it it get you know you know have more inventory, and that just means more homes you're competing with as a seller. But it also means more options you have as a buyer for maybe a slightly better deal, maybe not paying over asking, maybe getting closing costs. But uh, homes are still selling very close to asking. We went from 101 list to sell price ratio to now we're selling for 99% of asking price. That's not my company. That's the market wide. So on average, homes are selling 1% off the asking price. So you're don't don't think that the market is crashed and you can come in and buy a house for 20 or 30% off. That just isn't there um, you know, for, for people. So you've got a, you know, rising inventory and, and you know what, I think that's really good for a lot of buyers. There are buyers that could afford, um, you know, 3% and can afford five or 6% interest rates. Um, the difference was that a lot of them didn't buy simply because there weren't enough choices or they would lose out on their home and get frustrated and opt out. And now, because it has calmed a little bit, it may be a little. It may be more expensive to buy that house. However, um, you 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 may make that up in getting a slightly better deal and in getting the house you really want and not making the mistake. Because we we've had clients that buy the house and then six months later it was the wrong one because they rushed and it was hot and it was super competitive and then they had to sell it. Right. We're actually, I would tell you that I've noticed that we're seeing that a little bit where people really felt pressured to go out there and to buy a house Um, or they moved down in a panic and they are not turning around and leaving the area, but they are turning around and wanting to sell the house quickly. Um, because it wasn't really, really, really what they wanted, or maybe right. the space isn't working for them, yep. or maybe now that they're here, it's not the area that they wanted. So we are seeing that a little bit. Yep. Um, but again, I don't talk to, I, I maybe can recount one or two where they decided to leave the area or yeah. they bought thinking they would come here and they never did. <laughs> yeah. So that's right. what we're really, I think another, over. another thing is again, depending on the demographic, you know, I have a client on Davis Island that's got a seven figure house that they want to sell and you know they waited and they and, and they're in a very good financial place and they probably could have made a little bit more money selling it earlier in the summer but that market Davis Island still still performing very strong 
Um, still a lot of demand for waterfront, you know, Davis Island, Beach Park, all that still doing incredibly well. Um, you know, so much so that some people are tearing down mansions, <laughs> buying lots and tearing down perfectly built, amazing mansions because that market is just doing so well. But but nonetheless, the reason they hadn't sold their property was because of their fear that they were going to sell it. It was going to be a hassle uh, to find something to buy. So they simply said, you know what, let's just we're going to wait until things calm down a little bit. And so what I what I think a lot of people fail to understand when they're selling to buy especially if you're selling to either move up or, or in a comparable, um, you know, price bracket, it's really all relative. You know, if you're doing it in the same market area for the most part, again, it can vary from neighborhood to neighborhood. But if you're saying, you know what, I'm going to hold on to my house because I want, you know, prices to come down, the price of your house is going to come down too. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to, um, you know, holding on for prices to go back up, the price of what you're going to buy is going to go back up too. The only time that becomes... Not as relevant as if it's a substantial move down, then waiting can maybe make sense because of you know it 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 just you know again or no let me let me rephrase that. So if you're moving down, let's say you've got a five hundred thousand dollar house and you're moving to a three hundred thousand dollar house, and prices are dropping, right? You're better off. You're losing more equity in your five hundred with it dropping and buying the three hundred. Sure. If they're rising. And you're moving down, then obviously you wait because you know you could potentially wait a little bit because you're going to get more equity gain on the one that you're in versus the one that you're buying. So again, it's really all relative. Uh, you know, I've had people say, "Hey, I'm going to move to a different area." Then that's different. You know, then it's we don't know what the market is doing in the area you might move to. But if you're staying in the same market area and selling and then going out and looking to buy. Um, prices are really relative. You know, you what you may not get in your house, you're going to get back in what you buy. If you think your house is worth, you know, more than it, than what you want, then that just means you've got to get a better deal when you buy. Yeah, and I think that something else that throws a wrench into that is inflation. Um, of course, you know, yeah. and there's so many of these. Uh, nuances to buying such a large purchase. You know, there's so many of these things where the numbers, you know, if this happens and then this happens and then you're taking out a mortgage and then you're using equity. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts um, and there's a lot of things that change the financial, you know, the maximum financial decision that you can make. But really, you know, it goes back to the basics. (laughs) You want to buy something that you really like. You want to make sure that it's large enough because the number one reason people sell is because they didn't buy enough square footage, believe it or not. Um, And you want to make sure it's in a location that you really like because you can balance numbers all day long and go back and forth. But there's so many different variables you have to put into place in order to find out what the best decision is. And I think having high inflation right now really makes everything even more difficult. Yeah. You know, it really and, does. And and so like I gave an, this analogy in one of our training classes, and I think even in our meeting this week, you know, kind of advice to home sellers out there that maybe missed the peak for their neighborhood by a little bit. Okay. Maybe, you know, home values were higher in the summer and they still need to sell this year and they're not going to quite get you know, because they don't generate a bidding war where the home is sold truthfully above market um, by someone throwing out cash that that wouldn't appraise and doesn't make sense. If you missed out on that, um, you know, here's the analogy that I've given people. Imagine you're at the casino and, you know, you start with 200 bucks and you're up to a thousand bucks. Okay. And you lose 50 or 75 or a hundred bucks, right? You could have cashed out of a thousand, right? But you're still up. 
to 900 bucks. Right, right. You know, you have the ability to cash out. Anything past that, you might be gambling with it. You know, you could be gambling. If you if you choose to hold on, maybe you start winning again, but maybe it goes the other direction, you know? And, and so um, there are homeowners out there, I think, that um, should be selling their home right now, take their tax-free capital gain um, if they've lived in it two out of the last five. There are homeowners out there that should look at that, that say, hey, look, I'm still up. And stop and, and don't chase what you could have gotten. Don't 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 make the mistake. And because then you sit on the market, the longer you're on the market, the less of a chance you have to sell. So right. if you're thinking about selling your home, make sure to hit us up at DuncanDuo.com. Again, that's DuncanDuo.com. Follow us on any of our socials at the Duncan Duo, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat. We are on all of them. And we're going to give you some more tips about how to sell your home fast, including some inspection tips after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo show talking about selling your home fast. Um, and, and this goes out to people too, whose homes have failed to sell. Um, Robert, I think you can, you can testify to this because you measure all of our numbers as our president of sales. You see the number of people calling us, our lead sources, and we're getting more calls from people whose homes hadn't sold than we've seen in a long time. They, yes. They've said bye to their agent, they're not happy, you know. Even even in situations where um, they didn't even last that long with the agent, um, but they simply are disgruntled because the expectation that agent probably set is set is it's going to be a bidding war, it's going to go above asking, it's going to sell in four days, and then they overprice it. And unfortunately, it, it is a it's a real common thing right now. There's a lot of inexperienced real estate agents that have never done a price reduction. And their whole pitch is bidding war, bidding war, bidding war. Sell, sell now. It's going to go crazy. And when that starts not happening, they don't have they don't have the training or the other solution. You know, I actually gave our agents uh, a pep talk this week on our morning meeting call. Yeah. Um, and I gave them a pep talk because we do have stuff that's falling apart or on the edge of falling apart as far as contracts. You know, this is a tumultuous time. You have to be able to give your clients options, and you have to be super knowledgeable yeah. of different options that you can give them. And I think it's so important to be able to offer those things to those clients and get them through the sales process. But there's so many agents out there that have never worked in a market like this. I mean, right. I, I've they've read, only known prices skyrocketing and sales no, skyrocketing. Correct. And I've only, I've actually read a stat that, that like 90 some percent of agents have only worked in an appreciating market. That right. is insane to me. So yeah. luckily we, we've got a lot of oh, agents yes. that, yeah, 18 years, and, I, I got the war wounds. Yeah. I got the scars, you know, I, <laughs> I was helping people do short sales and foreclosures. And, you know, I sat at the tables of, of customers encouraging them to sell their home because they still had equity and they didn't listen and they they went for more money because they thought, oh, prices are going to come back when they'd already started to trend. And we know the data. We can look well, at it and tell you, don't make that mistake. Don't let your equity go away. Don't gamble. Don't hire the wrong agent that doesn't know how to handle a shifting market. I mean, look, sales dropped 30% in one month from June to July. We expect, I, I think that was a drastic drop. Yeah. I don't expect to see that same number. But it, it is slowing, so you you are going to see a slowdown, and it's going to take a little longer. It's going to take a little bit more work, and home sellers are going to need to do their homework and hire better agents, hire the best agents in the market, not just us because we know we're the best. But you can, you know, don't hire your uncle's brother's cousin's friend or the person that just got in real estate or the guy that's telling you he'll do it the cheapest because the cheapest isn't you get what you pay for, you know. Yeah. And, and that's the reality of what's what's coming soon. 
um, in real estate. Well, and I used to tell um, clients, I used to say, listen, some of the easiest parts of the process is putting the home on the market and getting it under contract. The hard part of the process is contract to close. Correct. And it really, especially the past two, three months, it's it's really gone back to that. It's it's, it's more it, challenging. You've got more challenges yes. with buyers are more um, cautious. They're yes. a little scared. They're hearing bad economic news. You get an inspection report back with a few little minor things on it or the appraisal doesn't come in. And, and so that's where, you know, one thing that we bring to the table that not a lot of companies do um, we know how complicated the contract to close process is. So we actually have three transaction coordinators who are all licensed real estate agents as well, but they are masters at that process. Well, they get everything from that point to the end. That's what they do. They check all the T's, they dot all the I's and they make, and again, there's always stuff that can go wrong, but they do what they can to try and prevent that where a lot of real estate agents aren't used to having that experience of how to keep a deal together. Correct. And as an agent on our side, there's so many times where we have to almost not, I don't want to say walk the, uh, the cooperating agent through the process, but be able to help them get through the process. Right, because they're not used to doing it. Correct. They've never done it before. Correct. And so it's really like, thank goodness we have that experience because yeah. we're able to kind of do that without saying, Hey, let me help you here. Um, but again, it's more about who can get you from contract to closing as smooth as possible. It's not always smooth it's, and, and get it done. Correct. But, and, and, and again, there are, I think a lot of those real estate agents, unfortunately, are going to be out of the business. I mean, NAR's already seen a declining a stat that shows that the real estate agent population is declining. Um, and, and again, with fewer home sales, there's, there's I mean, there, again, it's, it's inevitable that I think that is going to happen to some agents. And it's, you know, not that you root for that for anyone, but my hope is that maybe it can be a, an opportunity to, um, you know, to, to help educate real estate agents, help make us more professional, you know, the perception to the public isn't always the greatest. So, you know, it could be an opportunity. You know, I, I view any time that there's a, you know, a change or a shift or a threat, I view that as an opportunity. I think it could be an opportunity for the industry to really double down and make sure the best of the best are the ones that we're getting into the industry. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity. And this is not, you know, go online and um, click here and we'll, you know, and we do buy your home, but these companies that, yeah, but just, oh yeah, we're just going to buy your home and see you later. I mean, all that goes away when the market gets tougher. Yeah, and it's and it's starting to, they're already yep. starting to offer lower percentage of market value and, and be more stringent on certain things because none of them are profitable. All of them are losing money. And eventually Wall Street is going to say, hey, look, we can only give you money that we're okay with you losing for so long. Eventually you have to start making money or else this doesn't make sense. And so uh, there's no doubt. I've already predicted it on the show. Some of those companies are going to either fold, merge, um, revamp, rebrand. Uh, there's going to be a lot of change coming to that to that side of the market. So anyway, we're going to be back. We're going to continue. We're going to talk. We're going to help you prepare your home for sale with some home inspection tips after a quick break. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. We've obviously been talking for a couple months now about the real estate market shifting with higher interest rates, inflation, and, and um, you know, shifting doesn't mean crashing. Okay. I want to make that clear. I posted something on my Facebook this past week and I had people commenting like, you know, you know, basically saying I was saying a crash. It's like, no, just, just a shift. Like that doesn't mean like it's crashing. It just means it's not as hot as it was. It's stabilizing. It's slow. It's slowed down some, but there's no, it's not a crash. I mean, we're still seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of buyers still in the market, a lot of people moving to the area. So four tips for home buyers in a shifting market. The very first one, I think this is really important. 
getting qualified, getting pre-qualified before you do anything. Unless you have cash, interest rates have risen. What you could afford three months or six months ago may not be the same number today. It, it may be a lower number because now your affordability is pressured by a higher interest rate. You may have to make more creative tweaks or sacrifices to be able to afford to buy. Um, but again, that will help you understand your, your credit score and your credit potential credit issues. There are a lot more people with credit issues than I realize. There's people that go to get qualified and they have credit issues that are going to cause them not to buy. They're going to go out, they're going to put a house on, they're going to try and put a house under contract, or they're going to look at stuff and find out that they can't really get what they want. Um, all the while that could have saved a lot of time, energy, and effort and frustration by getting qualified before they ever look at it. Yeah. And I think it's even more so important with interest rates kind of going all over the place. They're going up, they're going down, they're going all around. Generally they're going up. So if you got pre-qualified even six months ago, a year ago, uh, what you qualified for is going to definitely change now because of the, how quick interest rates went up. Yeah. And I think that, um, Another So the next step in that is hiring a great agent. Look, and again, with a market change, more risk, more softening, can you really trust the experience of the agent that you're thinking about working with? And that's something that I, I'm telling people right now. It's, it's not a market for the cheapest anymore. It's a market for the best. Make sure that you're getting the best possible advice from your real estate agent to help you navigate through um, you know, the process of today. And truthfully, an agent that's probably been experienced enough to go through shifting markets. Because if you're dealing with an agent that doesn't know how to take advantage of that, um, you could leave money on the table. You could you could leave repairs on the table because all they know is do everything the seller wants. That's what it's been for the last, you know, few years is basically whatever the seller wants, we're just going to have to do it. We're going to have to agree or else they're going to go to the next buyer on the list. Yeah. So uh, sticking to your real estate goals, um, again, um, th this is one of those things where if you have a goal to buy, keep, keep it your goal. Okay. Keep moving forward. Don't, don't bounce out of the process. Uh, if you can qualify, um, it's, it's not going to get cheaper. Number one, it's, it's just going to get more expensive. And even if prices don't rise, interest rates will. So it's, it's going to continue to get more expensive. So waiting is not in your favor. One thing you can do though, um, that I tell people is, um, be a little bit more flexible maybe with what you could have qualified for six months ago. You may have been able to qualify for that 3,000 square foot house when you move out of your 800 square foot apartment. Now it might be a 2,300 square foot house, but the reality is, is you have to compare apples to apples. You know, I'll have people say, I want to stay in my apartment because I can't afford buying. Well, can you not afford buying or can you not afford buying the 3,000 square foot McMansion you were trying to buy as a first time home buyer uh, as a, as you know, or, or can you just not afford buying as big as you wanted? You may have to have the starter home first and then move up after you've gained some equity and some experience as a homeowner to the next, you know, larger house down the line. Yeah. I think being flexible with any aspect of the home that is not an absolute, you know, necessity is really key because there's a lot of great homes out there that will work for a lot of buyers, but if they're just stuck on something you know, I think that that's a mistake. I think that you can't let, you know, good enough or, you know, you can't let good enough be the enemy of like perfect. Right. You know? Well, and, and one of the quotes I saw not long ago, which I think is, is a great quote, don't give up progress in the pursuit of perfection, perfection. Mm -hmm. you know, because again, you may not get everything you want on that list, 
but you need to progress from your 800 square foot house or apartment to maybe a 1500 square foot or 2000 square foot instead of going from your 800 square foot apartment to 3000 or 4000 square feet. Right. People just, again, with the market as hot as it was, and truthfully, with society, the instant gratification of society, we we you know everyone just thinks they can jump right up to the mansion. And and the reality is, it may take you years to get there. It's been a little bit easier. The market's been a little bit easier to pull some of those things off. And now, that may not be the case from an affordability perspective for people. So you've you've got to maybe have that uh, stepping stone in between your starter home or your your apartment to a starter home, and then you get to the next bigger home, and then you get to the next bigger home. But this idea that buyers should just be you know, jumping from 800 square foot houses to 4,000, 800 square foot apartments to 4,000 square foot houses with somewhere near the same payment. You know, like when I hear people say, well, I can't afford it or it's cheaper to stay in my apartment. Well, yeah, of course it's cheaper. It's 800 square feet versus 4,000 square feet. You know, it, again, you know, maybe you can't get the 4,000, but maybe you can get 2,000, maybe you can get 1,500, right. or maybe you can get the same size property, but now you have a house and you now you can gain equity and you can add value to it. It, when you're renting, you're just making the landlord rich. Yep. You know? So anyway, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. And uh, thanks for listening, Tampa Bay. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. I'm Andrew Duncan at the Duncan Duo on all of our social media accounts. DuncanDuo.com for free home evaluation and instant cash offer. Or um, if you're wanting to get maximum market value with the best agents in the business, that is what we offer. And um, again, Great opportunity right now to sell your home um, with the right agents. Um, again, we're seeing record numbers of people calling us saying, hey, my home didn't sell. Um, and, and I don't say record. We've been doing this for 18 no, years. Yeah, no. There were periods of time where we were getting a lot no, listen, more of that. It I'm feels saying like record, record numbers compared to the last couple of years. Listen, it feels like a record because we went years, without probably that two years really. without it happening. Yeah, expires weren't there. People weren't firing their agents and calling us. Um, you know, that, so, so again, there, there, it, it now is the time that you're going to really have to double down and make sure that you hire the best and hire the pros. So how do you prepare your home for sale and kind of bulletproof it from inspection issues? One of the most important things you can do. Um, and I think this is something that again, it, it varies based on how valuable the home is and how new it is. Um, but you can do a pre-inspection. You can have mm-hmm. an inspector come out and do a home inspection already. Then you know what you need to fix. Um, So that is one thing you can do. The second thing you can do is handle all the obvious things that you know are wrong. Um, Even if, for example, you had a roof leak that was patched, um, but there's some cosmetic damage left over, fix it. Because it's just going to make people think, oh, it could come back. It might be active. You might not still have the receipt. It may be, you know, you might have had your uncle's brother's cousin's buddy come Mm -hmm. over and fix the roof, and then you don't have a receipt for it. Fix things that are going to draw the buyer and their agent's attention away from the bonus, the best features of your house. Fix those things so that they don't cause problems in the home inspection. Um, Another uh, thing that you can do also, if you've got a situation where, uh, you know, there could be a question about age of roof or AC, get a four point. You know, you can have a valid four point inspection you can provide to the buyer so the buyer isn't going to have obstacles getting insurance. Um, another thing I think that's really important in that, um, you know, the, the, um, acing the home inspection is an expectation that there's no such thing. When I see acing a home inspection, there's no such thing as a clean inspection report. Okay. So, so that should not be the goal. 
the goal should be doing everything you can to keep the sale under contract, okay? So whatever you can do upfront um, to address items or repairs that could be problematic in the home inspection, do it. Um, if you know, for example, that the microwave doesn't work, fix it or disclose it. If you know, for example, the garage door opener has a problem, or if you know that the pool pump is on its last leg, disclose it and it becomes less of an inspection issue at that point because now the buyer has to factor it into to what they're doing. And, and we'll have sellers you know, not do that and then say, well, that's why I priced it where I did. Well, you needed to disclose that it was <laughs> right. an issue. You, know, you didn't put it on the disclosure report that we gave you. Disclose it, um, but also if you can economically address those items because you know and I know Buyers, when they find a repair that's going to be a small minor repair, they're going to turn it into a bigger dollar number just because of the nuisance of it and because they may have a really expensive contractor that gouges them. Well, and sometimes they don't have an agent that knows how to explain that to them. I hate right. to say that about so many other agents, but it is true. If, if, if people aren't used to negotiating for these things as they haven't the past couple of years, sometimes their agent might not understand what's yeah. super important and what's necessarily not. Right. And to an inspector, you know, they're going to point out everything, yeah. every little thing. So it's what's important, what's not, how can we get through this process? Is there something that's going to affect financing, insurance, you know, the value down the line, something like that. But I mean, if we're talking about, you know, light switches and random little things here or there, those are going to be things you're going to find on correct. any house. Correct. Yeah. Anything. And 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 I think and I've talked about this avidly on the show that I think way too many home buyers cancel deals for small minuscule dollar amount stuff and end up finding out that every house that they're going to look at has the same thing. But let's be honest, social media generation, social gratification to them, they want this clean, perfect. I mean, look, everybody puts filters on their photos. I mean, they want to put a filter on the house for the home inspection. They want it to be perfect and sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And it just doesn't exist like that. When you get a home inspection, it's going to have a bunch of stuff in there that's wrong. And I always like to tell people that, again, as a home seller, you want to address all of those items that you can, um, especially if they're cheap simply because it's one less thing that they're going to try and negotiate on and one less thing to add to the list of things they have to do that could spook them. Um, but I think the home inspection report for a lot of buyers should be, are all the major big ticket items in good shape? Okay. Everything else, um, try and understand what the dollar amount cost to, you know, to fix it is and whether or not you really need to. And then secondly, use that as the bulletproof for maintenance uh, for uh, as being a homeowner. Um, I mean, that's like your checklist for the things that you need to do in your first few years of homeownership. You know, some examples would be, you know, let's just say, um, you know, the, um, I mean, the AC needs serviced. Okay. You know, that may be something that's not going to kill a deal. Typically it needs the coils cleaned or whatever. You know, that may be something that, that you can do after the fact, you know, it could be something like, um, you know, you could have some some electrical outlets that no longer work that, you know, some, you know, those can be right. replaced. So so things like that are things that you can look at doing. You could have a door that rubs or a seal for the garage door that needs a replace. I mean, all of these things are not things that should blow up a deal. Um, they're things that you should look at as, you know, things that you just have to check off. And homeownership, look, things are going to fail. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to look to change things. Things are going to wear out. Um, you know, that that's just home ownership. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes emotions get involved with that kind of stuff. People get really, really, really stuck on um, making and requesting those little changes. I mean, there's people that have blown up an amazing investment deal 
or or purchase over something like a hot water heater. I mean, that's right. like nothing. I mean, so even experienced people can kind of get emotional and make that mistake. But again, it's really what's going to affect the the process as far as the closing is concerned, not yeah. you know these maintenance items that are down the line. Yeah, and I think another home inspection tip for home sellers, um, you know, and, and I think this is just in general, um, you know, get the report. If you're a seller and the buyer sends you the report, look at it objectively. Don't, you know, look, we're all, we all have pride of ownership, you know, and we're going to say things, oh, that doesn't make sense. That shouldn't be an issue. That's stupid. That's cheap. That's this, that's that. But you have to understand in the buyer's perspective, a lot of them haven't bought before. Then this may be their first time buying. They're inexperienced or their agent may be inexperienced at explaining it. I always believe that I'm a firm believer that the best way to handle inspection requests is monetarily. Uh, when you get into the whole I, you know, seller's going to fix this or the, we're going to fix that and y- you run into problems because the issue ends up being maybe the seller didn't do it the way the buyer wanted, or maybe the seller didn't use a licensed contract, or maybe the seller doesn't have a receipt. And, you know, then, it, you know, it just, to me, if they're repair list, I try and solve it financially because in my opinion, otherwise you get into this, you know, peeing match without <laughs> getting, without being inappropriate over whose inspector is right and whether you did the job right or not on small minor stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah, and then you're trying to organize an an inspector to go back out there and reinspect and you know then yeah. oh my gosh is the inspector crazy. I mean, who knows, yeah, but right. I would tell you it is a complete nightmare to try to handle those repairs again unless it affects financing or insurance, you know. It's way and, better to do. And it even monetary. sometimes that can be handled after closing sure. depending on the lender different things, and right? Yeah. But I mean, that is such a nightmare to get into repairs that are both economical and correct for the seller and acceptable to the buyer. So here are some other tips to prepare your home for sale. Um, and again, uh, you know, hiring a great agent obviously is key. We help all of our clients do this. We give them these tips. If your agent didn't give you these tips, I'm sorry, you know, if you didn't hire us. But we're going to look at the house. And if there's stuff that needs to be addressed, we're going to be honest with you about it. You know, maybe a wall needs painted or or maybe um, you've got too many personal photos on the wall or your animals and your children make the house a mess. And it's got to be better for showings and photos. Um, but think, walk through your house and think like a buyer, but also think like a model home. Okay, that's what you want your house to feel like. Um, and so the, um, you know, again, depending on your furnishings, the age of the home, obviously you may not be able to get it perfectly like a model home, but the idea is to get it as close to that as you can, have it be neutral, have it not have anything in, offensive in there. So you're, you know, the stuff that might offend other people that don't view things the same way you do, Take that down. Take down things that would distract people. I recently saw a house, and you know this is really true, that was beautiful, amazing, high-end house. Was working with a client looking above five million dollars. Okay, um, they're still looking, by the way. So if anyone has waterfront, South Tampa, you know, five or six million dollars, very er- looking for something very urban that doesn't doesn't want to wait to build. Um, you know, please hit us up, message us on our socials at the Duncan Dubo and, and, uh, we'll reach out and see what we can do to help. Anyway, we were looking at houses for this client and we went into a house and that the, the owner had an incredible, I mean, super incredible, um, sports 
collectible and memorabilia collection all displayed throughout the house on the walls. The problem with that is, and I'm talking like probably a million dollars worth of stuff on the walls. Okay. One, it's, it's a security risk, but, but that's, that's a whole other animal. The second part is, is something like that that is for a sports person, um, was super distracting. My client spent half his time in the house looking at the collectibles. Oh my God, look at this. Oh my goodness. Look at this. And then guess what he's not doing? He's not emotionally attaching to the house. He's not falling in love with the house. He's falling in love with the stuff. If you have really neat stuff and I don't care the price range. Okay. If you have really incredible stuff that is, um, you know, I'm not talking to furniture. I'm not talking stuff on the wall. I'm talking like things that could potentially distract someone. I would encourage you not to have it out because you don't need to, when you have a house on the market at that price, you don't need to flex to everybody. You got really cool stuff. They already know you got really cool stuff. You got a $5 million house, right? So that stuff shouldn't be out because you're going to, the person isn't going to be able to envision themselves and they're going to get distracted with your stuff. The second reason why I, um, the second reason why I love the, um, or, or that I don't love that is that then people may want it. Right. Okay. People may want your stuff. Okay. So if you're a seller and you've got really cool stuff like that and you have it out and you don't take it down before selling, you might have people being like, Oh, I want that. Or, I want that piece of art. It doesn't mean you can't have really nice art and that you can't do cool stuff in the house, but the more distracting stuff is. And again, if your house is just the only house like it and super unique, you can get away with that. But if you have competition and the client and the customer is going to look at other homes, you got to think like a builder in a model home. Hey, I've told people to remove, if we're sitting at the appointment and the seller saying, well, I want, you know, I want to make sure that, oh, this chandelier, take even something chandelier, take it down now, replace it now because. Otherwise they're going to fall in love with it. Just like exactly. you did. And yep. it, I swear it will ruin a deal. It, yeah, you've no seen it. it. Oh yeah. I mean, I had a client a few years ago. I had a multi-million dollar house in Tarpon Springs. And a client wanted wanted it furnished. And we spent months, literally months, arguing about what furniture could and couldn't stay on a multi-million dollar deal. So anyway, we're going to wrap up with our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show.